Welcome to the Plan Simple Meals podcast. I am your host, Nia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, one meal at a time. The Plan Simple Meals podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier, happier home. Listen in for informative conversations and valuable strategies to make meals healthy, meaningful, and fun. Let's do this. Hey, busy mamas. Welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Meals podcast. I am super excited to have Sarah Bradford on the episode today. She's You're just going to love her because she's funny and brings this no BS attitude to nutrition, um, mostly I think serving women who are just tired of all the BS around all the stuff we hear about needing to be perfectly nutritious, and she'll go into that a little bit on the episode. Um, so I'm super excited to just dive into her head and have her share all this knowledge that she has. And we're going to talk a little bit. I'm going to ask her a lot of questions about the seasons because I love talking seasons and not everybody has the insights to be able to do that. So I'm really excited. So welcome, Sarah, to this episode. Hi, Mia. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. Oh, to- yay. We're excited to have you. So tell us a little bit like let's well, first of all, who are you the mom to? How old are your kiddos or kid? Uh, my kiddos, they are 10 and 14. Um, uh-huh. And just, I, I would say, I, and, I, and I have two stepkids as well who are 19 and 22, but it almost feels like they've uh, they've stepped out into the world and they're no longer <laughs> mine at all. But um, yeah, yeah. So. so there was a moment when there was four in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So 10 and 14. So I have 10. Well, I have 8, 10 and 13. So we're close there with that. Yeah. So, um, so tell us a little bit about how you got into food. Like, have you always been a super healthy person? Did you grow up super healthy? How did this all come about? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I've always been really excited about food, even as a small child. Um, I certainly didn't know how to cook, though, until I became this indignant vegetarian when I was 12 but uh then you know I went through um the years always interested not just in nutrition but cooking so I traveled uh, the world for many years before I settled down uh and that was the one thing that I used to connect to people getting into the kitchen with them and getting people excited about food and getting excited about food myself Um, It was something my mom and I really shared as well. And she was someone who was really into the traditional food movement. She grew up on a farm. You know, she was she was always really supportive of wherever I was at in my crazy food journey. But she always kind of stuck to that kind of grounding, rooted, like seasonal eating, traditional eating type of of way of of living, which, you know, I came full circle and got brought back to once I went to school to study nutrition. But she's really the reason I studied nutrition because of her um, inspiration. And she did get ill for a while. Well, she she got ill. She's passed now. But um, that was a long time ago. But she just got some really terrible food advice and that inspired me to go to school and study nutrition in a more formal way. So, wow. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then of course, you know, having kids too, uh, and being excited and interested in food, but wanting to make sure I was doing everything right. And things have come a long way since I studied nutrition and was 
you know, I, I would say that I was bordering on orthorexic there for a while because I think when you're studying anything, suddenly you're a hypochondriac and you have everything you can possibly imagine. And right. Everything seemed so extreme and the needs of my of my children and myself were so extreme and I, I'm so lucky that my ex-husband kind of took me down a few notches and absolutely refused to get rid of the Doritos and you know, <laughs> kind of kept it real, kept, kept me from going over the edge and... Um, but he also made me understand the importance of of including indulgence in your life. So that that's something that's a big part of my brand, teaching people how to eat really beautiful food, enjoying the process of cooking and being mindful in the kitchen and eating that way, but also like incorporating things that are delicious. So I've never been into healthy food that tastes bland or tastes like um, uh healthy. (laughs) (laughs) I want, I want people to enjoy themselves and take things that they love and make them that much better. And that's that much more robust and that much more nutritious um, and nourishing by the ingredients that they choose and the preparation techniques that they use. It doesn't mean that they have to feel like they're missing out or losing out. And that's why when I, when I started my business, um, my goal was to teach people how to cook healthy food better and what I realized in that journey was that most people didn't cook at all so it was about giving them these basic techniques and also introducing them to um, recipes and ways of preparing food that turn them into their own little mini chef and inspiring them to really enjoy the experience so yeah I definitely came from that field of not knowing how to cook so when really? I started, yeah, when I started this whole journey, like people were like, really? But when I started this whole journey, I, um, it was eight years ago and I had gained 65 pounds in three pregnancies and it, it started off actually as a weight loss mission. Um, at which point I healed myself from all these chronic illnesses that I didn't even know I had. Um, and so I, I had to learn how to cook. And so I totally relate to that person you know, and the way I did it was, I started off with the food that was going to make me feel good. And I literally learned how to cook five things. (laughs) And I literally ate those five things for more time than probably I'd care to admit. And then at that point, you know, I started to learn tricks, like, you know, how to cut an onion. Like, I mean, it's amazing what you don't know until you know it, you know. I Um, I didn't know how to cook either in the beginning. Like, I think when you're a vegetarian, you're sort of forced, um, at least when 20, 23 years ago, 25 years ago, no one was a vegetarian where I lived. So I didn't really have much choice, but um, I guess if you want to learn also how to eat healthy and you're surrounded by people that don't really cook, it's the same process, right? Yeah, exactly. It's interesting. So what are some of the, your favorite things that, or what are the, some of the favorite things that people learn from you when you're teaching that beginning step of learning to cook? Like what are your favorite things to tell people? Oh, well, I mean, the first thing I, I try to get them excited about is um, the ingredients that they choose. Um, and part of that is about seasons. And part of that is about, um, you know, uh, knowing your farmers. So I'm, I'm no longer a vegetarian, just FYI. But, but the source of my food is really important to me. And the uh, industrial food, um, sort of the, the commercial, I guess, food industry um, has is horrifying <laughs> to me. So I, I, I guess that part of the love of food is is about the ingredients and getting people excited about 
where to source those ingredients and what things smell like and what things taste like when they're really fresh and, and having them go through that experience. Um, and then the next thing I, I try to do is, is make sure that people understand that it doesn't have to be complicated. I mean, I may use a gazillion spices when I cook, but it doesn't mean you need to, to make something really beautiful and delicious. Um, and, uh, this new thing that I've kind of incorporated into the process of the community dumps and getting people excited about uh, the programs that I run is is teaching them kitchen prep mindfulness. And, and what I mean by that is it's not just when you're shopping, but when you're in the kitchen, really appreciating the colors that are in front of you and the smells and the texture and putting on really awesome music. And you know, maybe burning some essential oils if that's necessary, or really just getting off on the smell of cooked garlics and garlic and onions cooking and, um, you know, surrounding yourself with fresh flowers and, and, and getting your kids in there with you too. You know, most of my clients are moms and, and I think the scary part for them often is that they don't, they don't know how to get their kids excited about this process. And for me, I'm a huge encourager of getting your kitchens your kids in the kitchen with you and being a part of the meal planning process even if it's just that they get to choose which vegetable you're going to have on which evening or whatever it is um have them come shopping with you have them come to the farmer's market and experience the smells and the sight and the sounds and and why i get excited about them. taking them to farms having them meet the pigs that we're going to eat my kids have actually met a number of the animals that we've actually had on our plates and and I am, you know, blessing the food and, and going through the process of really appreciating what's in front of us. I think gratitude is such a, a missing piece of what people experience when it comes to food. And, and you know, I know weight loss is the beginning journey uh, for a lot of people when they choose to eat healthy. And, you know, I can't begrudge anyone of that. But, but the one thing that I try to teach people when I work with them if weight loss is their goal is to have them step off the scale completely and learn to enjoy food again and learning to enjoy food um, has to mean you're not counting calories it has to mean that you're really just caring about the journey so I traveled for years and years and years and people would always ask me like what's your favorite destination I'm like it wasn't the destination it was the journey and that's what I feel like with this entire um, food, food situation. Like I can't begrudge the mistakes I've made along the way. And, um, I just know that the more chill I am in the kitchen and the more chill I am about what I put in my mouth, the healthier I am, the more I'm at my ideal weight, the healthier my skin is, the healthier my hair is, the better I feel. And it's a lot to do with stress. And if you're really, really stressed out about food and really stressed out in the kitchen and really stressed out about eating the perfect thing, you're actually creating more of a, a dangerous scenario than if you just ate out of a box, to be honest. Yeah, it's really interesting. And well, I feel like we need to go back and unpack, like starting on number one. So, and that was a lot. <laughs> so, so the fresh food part was like, really huge for me as a non-cook because I would just I remember you know I'm a designer so cookbooks have always been somewhat interesting to me in their like format you know I was always I was always intrigued by beautiful pictures and books and physical things so I actually had some cookbooks you know on my shelves by the time I started this journey but just opening them just felt so complicated and then I very quickly realized that they were written not for farm fresh 
food necessarily, right? It was like you needed to add all these things to make something taste good. But when you have fresh food, like it needs garlic and olive oil, like it needs very little um, to taste good. It's so true. It's, uh, it it took me a while to figure that out because I, I used a lot of, I mean, I still use a lot of spices in some dishes. I mean, I love, I love experimenting with flavors and flavor, um, I love getting my kit, my my clients excited about experimenting with flavors too. But um, you know, I, I think it just it, it's first and foremost ingredients. Um, that's why I love Italian cooking. I love the way they cook in Europe because, um, well, specifically Mediterranean because it's about the ingredients. It's really about fewer ingredients and vibrant flavors coming from the actual ingredients, and that's. Ex- exciting to me that's really exciting that I can prepare something that's four or five ingredients and have it just like pop off my plate and into my mouth and just be vibrant with colors and and knowing that uh you know that really sweet carrot that I got at the farmer's market is just filled with so many more nutrients than the bland carrot that I could get from imported from California even if it is organic or whatever right so uh, yeah, and and I don't know. I I think that as time goes on, it's it's so interesting that the influence that my mom has had on me growing up is just becoming so instilled in me. Even even now, even now that she's gone, you know, I I can hear her all the things she said to me growing up, and and it's like talking about you know growing up on the farm and just the best apple she's ever had in her life is the one she picked off the tree in her very own, own orchard. And, um, and, and the look on her face and knowing that that brought her total joy, it actually brings me total pure joy and it does to my kids as well. So if I'm just passing that joy along and that's it to my clients or to my kids or encouraging moms to get their kids excited about food, then that's good enough. I've done my job. Well, I love that story because I think that's so important and so underrated um, that that idea that as a mom, so you're talking about your mom, but that just as a mom, us having that excitement and experiencing the joy of food out loud, because as a society, I find a lot of times when we're having food conversations, we're having them from dissatisfaction. So we're having them like, I'm so full or I'm, you know, my stomach hurts or, you know, like we're, we're all, it's like post and it's usually in joyous occasions, like birthday parties and Christmas and family gatherings that we've eaten too much. And then we're passing on this story of like these joyous occasions, eat too much food, feel yucky instead of like, oh my God, look at how beautiful this salad is. Like imagine Mm -hmm. the fields it came from, or it's so crunchy because it's so fresh. Like we're not passing on those stories, which clearly are so powerful, because you remember them years later. Mm-hmm. And and I I also think that we we've, we've become to, we've just become a numbed society. Not only are we always looking for this extreme cure, extreme diet, extreme fix it, but but the the like we we've lost flavor in our 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 lives and our experience. And I think a lot of it is to do with the mm, chronic sugar addiction that our society has and. Sugar actually dulls everything in your life. It dulls, it feels so good in that moment, but it's like any kind of drug really. Like it, it eventually dulls your senses and and sugar is stealing that experience away from our kids especially. 
And, you know, I'm, I'm not someone who's so Nazi that you can't eat sweet things, but, um, the, sh- the it's sugar addiction is rampant with not just kids, but with adults. And I think we're passing on the wrong stories. Like the, like you said, you know, instead of passing on the stories, like suddenly, you know, traditions become more about like, uh, or birthday cake or, or, yeah, birthday you know, cake is hard. Birthday cake, or like even just like the way we often treat treat our give treats to ourselves or to our kids, it involves you know sugar or or alcohol or or whatever, right? So, um, sugar is a scary one. I don't know. It it it's it's become more rampant. Um, the nutrition world's become more confusing with all of these new fad diets that have come into play, um, where everyone feels like they need to eat a certain way and it's the only way. And what they don't realize is if they just eat real food, they're going to feel good. The reason they feel good in all these extreme diets that I'm terrified they're going to put their kids on, you know, the paleo diet or the, or the keto diet or vegan or raw or any of those diets is usually because they've stopped eating processed food. And you feel really amazing when you stop eating processed food, but life requires balance. And if you're eating really, really raw, you know, vegan based food, um, you're, you're kind of cleansing and reducing all the time. If you're eating a paleo diet and a lot of building foods and a lot of oil, a lot of animal protein, um, you know, eventually you're going to need to cleanse. And it's, it's just, if you're eating real food and appreciating what those ingredients are and appreciating what those, those things are doing for you you don't need any of that extreme stuff you just don't yeah no that's true Uh, and although I always it's funny because my my backstory comes from the raw food world of that was what I changed to when I first started like when I first found real food um Mm -hmm. but I, I very quickly migrated beyond it but the it gave me two amazing tools and so and I love looking at it this way because one time I walked into this party and this woman had made a raw pie and I said oh that's so cool like do you eat raw and she said no 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 it's just like it's a it's a modality I love it's like cooking Italian and they and there's good desserts and so that's how I love look I feel like from that I got this amazing toolkit actually for making desserts that are sugar-free and you know so that that mix nuts and so I feel like if you take these parts from everything and then I also that was how I learned that I couldn't have gluten which was a big life-changing moment, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and then I moved on, but it's, it's just so interesting. Like, yeah, it is interesting that we attach ourselves and need, and I, the thing that we didn't get back to in your points was the scale. So that was also huge for me. Just the second I let go of that idea of the scale, everything shifted. Um, oh. It's, you know how hard it is to talk to a client about throwing their scale away? It's possible, (laughs) but it's so important if you're shifting. I mean, this is the thing, like excess weight and, you know, we're talking about food today, but it's not just about food, obviously. The thing about weight or excess weight or under, it's a symptom. And and what is really happening in your life? And it's really interesting. I'm not going to tell you what the big shift for me I mean I've had different shifts throughout my my life but um my most recent big shift um had nothing to do with food and it transformed my life it transformed my health almost immediately a couple of years ago now and you're wow. just gonna leave us hanging on that one <laughs> <laughs> so yeah <laughs> 
that was what it was for me, but I'm yeah. not suggesting that's, you know, something that everyone has to do. But I was just, for whatever reason, I'm not like pointing, pointing fingers or, or blame or anything, but, um, as much as I may want to sometimes, but, um, uh, it, it, to me, it was, it's just, it, it led to us a, a chronic stress, like mm-hmm. chronic anxiety and stress that, um, that is, is just not going to ever be addressed by eating differently. So, yeah. um, it's important to look at the food that you eat and really enjoy the experience, but it's also important to look at your life and enjoy your life and love your life and love who you are and love the person in your skin. And if, if that, that part's missing, it doesn't really matter what you eat. You're still going to get tummy aches if you eat, don't eat gluten. And you're still going to, you know, probably either be overweight or underweight and your skin is still going to be dull and you're still going to feel like shit basically. Like that's just, just the way it goes. Um, I'm I'm not suggesting you need to leave your husband to get to that point, but everyone's got different things they need to look at, I guess, in their life. But um, I know happiness is is key. I run these. Um, is, am I allowed to talk about this? Just for yeah, of course, because I will, actually I want to hear. So I'm gonna. So you run dumps, and I want to know where the word came from before you jump into what they are. <laughs> I used to call them community cleanses. Okay. And uh, first of all, that word, and this was years ago. This was five and a half years ago. And and um, and then suddenly it kind of caught on in my community, and everyone was doing a community cleanse. And I was like, well, lame. They're taking my name. But also, and this is before it was online. It was more of an in-person thing. Um, but I also thought it's not really a cleanse, what I'm creating. I'm creating like an this is not a cleanse, you know, an uncleanse. Um, and I can get to explain that in a minute, but it's not really about dumping or it wasn't really about detoxing. It was about dumping, not just nasty foods from your life and not actual, you know, bowel movements or whatever. It was like, it was about dumping sort of, um, a lot more than that, Dump, dumping like the misconceptions of cleanses, dumping like extra, extra clutter in your life, dumping like this crazy exercise regime you don't really need, dumping, it was, it was more, it was, there was so much dumping happening and happening as a group that it made sense for me to shift to that word. And it's kind of hilarious and I'm a bit of a smart ass. So I love it. It, it, it's just that it, it works and it's stuck and people call themselves dumpers. And I, you know, I always think I should get t-shirts made <laughs> because people like I, I, you know, I've helped a lot of people and I did a lot of one-on-one work um, for years before I started these community programs. And, and to be honest, I just, ne- I, I have seen more transformation happen on these programs that not people not only do once, sometimes they do them. I have, I've had people who do have done every single one I've ever, I've ever done. Um, which is amazing. They just use it as a reset four times a year and, and they, and they love it. They love it. Um, but other people have been where you were in the start of your food journey, um, some people are really in the newbie stage of their journey and some people already eat healthy. They just love the community aspect of it. But what I really saw that was, what I saw that was missing in the world, um, was, you know, getting handed these rules like, okay, so it's time for you to stop eating that. And they don't tell you what you can eat and they don't focus on what you should eat. They focus on what you shouldn't eat. Mm-hmm. And they give you this list without recipes and without ideas and without support. And they say, okay, now go, here's your, here's your, here's your, here are your new rules. And, 
and off you go. And it, it wasn't just the danger behind not having that community of support and not having those recipes and ideas of how to incorporate these changes into your life. Um, but, but it was, they were also being encouraged to do like extreme things. Like I live in Canada in Ontario and I saw people doing juice fasts for 30 days in January, which yeah, is like crazy. It's crazy. And I saw people even doing kind of like the mildest, like cleanses from a box and being depleted for weeks or months afterwards because they actually weren't healthy enough to be doing that type of program. So I wanted to create something that felt really supportive that included a ton of really delicious recipes. I'm a recipe developer because I'm a food person. I, I've, I've been doing this almost my whole life and I love it and I'm passionate about it. So I know how to make a good recipe and I would never uh, sell it in my program as something that was good if it wasn't. So People, you know, not only are they experiencing new foods, but they're experiencing new foods that they're most likely going to like, which is important, um, especially when they're being introduced to kind of like wacky new ingredients or or new concepts completely like, you know, cutting up vegetables instead of thawing them out or opening a can. Um, but to be honest, the secret behind the programs are the community. The community of people that has has developed out of these these random cleanses I started, um, or not cleanses or uncleanses, has is mind blowing. It's astonishing. To be honest, now it, it's taken a lot of the work off my hands because there are so many alumni in the group that support and help each other and have experience. That it's just awesome seeing what blossoms. Like it's like there's there's all these like these levels of family and experience and it's really beautiful. But well, what I was, oh, go sorry. Ahead. Well, I was going to say that especially for moms, so often we're alone in the kitchen. And so yeah. it's, and, and that's never the way it was supposed to be, right? We were supposed to be in bigger families and in tribes and whatnot. And there was never, it was never supposed to be us alone with our husbands out working, you know, us in the kitchen. And so it's so nice. I find that in our group too. It's just so people, it's so nice to have a community of people to just like say like, gosh, my child threw the broccoli across the table tonight and he won't eat it. Like, and you know, just know that somebody else has had that same experience too. Oh, it's essential. Like, and actually I think that my favorite moments of my life are when I'm with a group of women and we're cooking together and our kids are doing their thing. It feels so right. It feels so normal it, yeah. do you know what yeah. I mean it that that isolated feeling you get isn't normal and I really encourage it in the community dumps I encourage them to meet with other people in the group or if they've if, if there's no one in the group geographically close to them to find friends or family to come over and participate with them because it's 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 you know online can still be isolating um and I, I actually started last so last year I created a mama dump because I had a lot of moms who wanted to do the cleanses, but, but they felt overwhelmed by it. And they also, I, I also thought it was maybe too much. So I wanted to create something that was just for new moms. Um, so they felt like they had a community where everyone was kind of in the same spot with their kids being young. The foods that 
the foods that were on the dump were going to be completely safe for breastfeeding moms or even for pregnant moms. Um, it was going to be balanced enough. So they, they weren't going to be doing any extreme spring food eating. They'd be incorporating more animal protein in with their, with their foods and, and things that were just more appropriate. And then some of the teas that I have blended, instead of them being detox herbs, they were more nourishing herbs for breast milk and for digestion and for stress. And then there was a huge emphasis on self-care, which is the thing that is the most neglected thing with women when they become mothers, self-love, self-care that I, I, you know, I I said in the group, so I'm about to run it for the second time, but um, that was the thing I think most of them took away from it the most. They were like, Oh my God, I really didn't, I, I really was, neglecting me like all of a sudden I was just my importance was off the table and this has brought the importance back to how I need also to feel that care and that love I need to treat myself like I would myself if I was little and and then the foods were different too so again I'm a huge seasonal food supporter but um for moms I really want it to be very simple. <laughs> I want it to be able to be created in 15 minutes or have like five ingredients. And it, it was good. It's a nice challenge because again, it comes down to eating fresh food and really letting the ingredients shine as opposed to um, having these complicated foods. I know I keep going on tangents. I'm sorry, Mia. No, it's go. okay. I love it. But will you, will you go into a little bit about the seasons? So like, just yeah. will you point out like from each season something that's very unique to that season like that we might have at different part like we might have so like raw maybe not in January you know like so what are some things we should think about in terms of seasons in food well so the fall dump that I run um the focus of that is a lot of like nourishing root vegetables and building the immune system and eating foods that are going to help with that process and that building process so um Cleansing foods are more raw, cooling things. We wanted a lot of warming foods and focus on digestion and getting your digestive digestion in good working order so that the coming months, you know, you were able to handle a little bit heavier foods and that sort of thing. And you were, you know, you were able to feel like your system was built up in a healthy way so you could withstand some of the the seasonal craziness that comes with colds and flus and things like that. Um, a, a big focus on also self-care and, um, and, and gentler movement and getting warm. And then the winter one, um, is the only dump that in, in, it basically includes animal fat and animal protein. Um, I'm very, very picky about the animal proteins they're allowed to choose in that they have to be sourced from a, a good place, especially if it is a kind of cleanse, not cleanse. Um, and the focus was sugar and the sugar, focus is because uh most people are coming out of the holidays addicted to christmas cookies and chocolate and eating poorly and a lot of extra bread and a lot of extra alcohol and things like that um and it it, it wreaks havoc not only with your immune system but um with the stress that comes along with kind of feeling isolated in the winter months so you know um a lot of focus on mindfulness and um, understanding that it's okay to step back and, and embrace that kind of isolation, that it's sort of normal at this time of year, sleep longer hours. Um, none of the cleanses are just food focused. Then we get to uh, spring and you'll probably notice because 
it's starting to be spring like weather, you begin to create, well, ish. Sort of. (laughs) You're maybe starting to eat a little less animal protein and you're starting to crave things that are a little more bitter um, and fresh. And that's a really normal process for our bodies because uh, the bitter foods help kind of cleanse for lack of better words, less sort of sludge, the winter sludge that gets built up. Um, What's an example of a bitter food? Like name the veggies. uh, Like uh, spinach, kale, um, rapini, any of those kind of veggies. Mm -hmm. Um, Sprouts. Sprouts have a tiny bit of a bitter quality to them. Um, Even asparagus. Asparagus is a really good example. Asparagus season's coming and it's quite a bitter vegetable. Mm -hmm. Um, And it helps your body kind of uh, gently... And, but more um, rapidly detox mm-hmm. at the time of year when you're craving it. Um, and you begin to want fresher foods. But it, fresher foods are usually green. <laughs> so yeah. when you get to the summer, you begin to crave uh, more watery, cooling vegetables because it's hot. And I don't, I don't know, you know, I, some of your listeners are probably from areas that aren't quite as extreme in the seasons as, as Ontario, but um, here it's remarkable that the change in the seasons and, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, dumpers <laughs> that have participated, dumping participants, they, they, they can't, they always remark about how much of a difference it makes not eating cucumbers in February, but um, incorporating a lot of bone broth and eggs and things that they maybe didn't think were necessarily that healthy in and how much better they feel. Um, And then, you know, the whole green smoothie thing, you know, that actually becomes something that's actually okay when it hits, when June hits. Um, And your body is okay with that sort of process. But if you're a chilled person and you need a lot of building foods, then and doing eating things that are reducing are only going to make you feel like shit. Like they're just going to make you feel depleted, and they're going to make you feel um, low energy. It's not normal to drink rapid or massive amounts of cooling green smoothies in cold weather. It's just not. It's not what we're meant to do. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, this is it's interesting teaching people how to eat with the seasons because um, it, it doesn't take much. It just, it takes a little bit of uh, suggestive, suggestive eating. And then people are like, wow, I feel really good eating this way. I actually, now it makes sense why I shouldn't, you know, it makes sense. I mean, there's certain things you're going to crave at certain times of year that don't make sense. It happens. You know, there are times when my kids want strawberries in December and it's not the right season. Um, for some reason, there are certain times in the winter that I begin to crave salads for whatever reason that is. It must be because I always look at it like a balanced thing. So our bodies are always trying to reach homeostasis. So if I'm eating a lot of heavy sort of, um, animal protein and animal fat based foods, then your body's going to start create craving sugar. And that's when I, and, and, that's when your body needs things like bitter foods to help kind of cut the richness from the animal protein that you might be eating. Um, it, it doesn't take long to really recognize what your body's asking for. It's just most people aren't listening. So I suppose if anything, I'm, I'm an educator and I'm teaching people how to communicate with their bodies again. 
And it's one of the reasons I also encourage um, gentle movement, something specifically like yoga, when they're going through the dump days, because you do kind of have to treat yourself like you would if you were ill. And the reason you need to do that is because any kind of um, extreme shift in diet is going to affect your energy levels. It's going to affect your um, need to sleep more. It's going to actually affect your bowels probably no matter what, no matter how healthy you're eating, you're, there's going to be a, any kind of major shift is going to take your body a while to adjust. So um, any kind of extreme movement um, is going to probably just make you feel like crap. So then a lot of the time people will start uh, doing yoga sometimes for the first time and again, one of the reasons I love yoga as a movement modality is because I see it as a, a communication tool, a way to learn more about what your body is asking you for. So, yeah. yeah. I'm a big yoga head. <laughs> Myself. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, that's so true. And it's funny because right now I am craving actually more activity than usual like I'm just wanting to move more um so I find myself either going to a yoga class that moves more (laughs) or Mm -hmm. you know walking and running but definitely in those colder months just no you know moving your body and I actually think that's a great thing to pass on to your kids as well just that tool of being able to check in and take a breath check in and take a breath Yeah. yeah And a trick that I did, so I became somewhat of a of a green smoothie person, um, and I realized that one of the things I did was I thought you were supposed to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and one of the things that green smoothies taught me was that I actually am not really that hungry in the morning, and my body needed a little bit slower of a start to the day than I was giving it with my bagel and coffee at one point in my life. <laughs> before I found out about gluten. So in that sense, I loved green smoothies. But then I had that first winter with them because I think I started it in the summer. And I um, I had that first winter and I, I felt it in my stomach. And I, I happened to an Ayurvedic doctor at that point And she gave me all sorts of warming herbs that I could put in it. And that actually made a big difference. And I was still getting my greens that I would crave. But then this year I got on this sweet potato smoothie craving. (laughs) So I would make a a smoothie out of sweet potatoes all January. And it was awesome because smoothies don't have to be cold. They can be warming. (laughs) Well, we have smoothies on the winter dump and they're warm. Yeah. We use root vegetables and all sorts of things. So, yeah, you can have smoothies year-round. Yeah, just Just what's in them. The other thing with the green smoothie thing um, is that we're we're a bit wackadoodle with the amount of um, access we have to see vegetables. So a lot of people have thyroid issues, and they have um, um, issues with uh, raw... a lot of raw vegetables and and even blended it's amazing mm-hmm. how difficult people have digesting raw vegetables so um again it's like any health kick like it'll be great for one person but it won't necessarily be okay for another person yet we convince ourselves that because it's working so well for everybody or that's what we're being told that there's only one way to do things so like you can have a green smoothie with these warming herbs in January 
perhaps, but it's okay if you can't. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh my God, totally. And, and, and cucumbers, we've learned our lesson. And the other thing that's so important for moms is it was actually my now eight-year-old daughter when she was like five who was like, no cucumbers anymore, you know, in the winter. And she was just really tuned into the fact that we weren't supposed to have this. And I'm, I was thinking back to, you know, that sugar, the whole sugar thing and giving kids sugar. And I think a lot of that, like, even though we say it's that, well, our kids want it and we don't want to deprive them. A lot of times it's a guilt thing, like a mom guilt thing. And like, we're actually putting it on them, like natural human behavior. Like, I think we crave exactly what you teach. Like we crave the seasons, we want fruits and vegetables, you know, like that's what we want as humans. But, you know, it's this whole crazy world that we live in that somehow throws that all off of, off kilter a little bit. Yeah, lots of things being thrown at us, to <laughs> filter, especially as moms. Like, yeah. I mean, we, I, like th there's enough pressure to be a woman in society as it is and to be healthy and to be fit and to work hard and all of those things. But but I think moms get it twice, you know, they get it twofold or yeah. triple fold or <laughs> triple fold because they're ex the expectations to be the perfect mom and the perfect woman aren't necessarily complementary in a world where we already work probably too many hours and we haven't learned to take a step back and take a deep breath and appreciate that gentle movement is probably as beneficial as going to CrossFit and appreciate that, you know, um, a juice cleanse is probably not as beneficial as just eating real food. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I forget where I, oh, I know where I was. I was at a lecture by um, Dr. Joel Furman a couple of years back. And he told this whole room full of people that basically there's only a very small percentage of people who are actually ready for a juice cleanse because yeah. you're not ready. Like the average person isn't ready to go from where they are to a juice cleanse. There's like, it might be beneficial to some very small part of the population who's really cleaned up their act. But at the very beginning, it's actually do not doing much good. Well, um, and add to that um, stress. Like if yeah. you're a really stressed, chronically stressed out person, any kind of diet shift is going to have an effect on you. Um, but any, any kind of extreme diet is going to create more stress, which is yeah. just going to mess you up more <laughs> so so yeah I mean um yeah I would say that is definitely true very few of us are actually healthy enough to do a cleanse in fact I tell people that they shouldn't join the dump even if they're extremely like highly going through something stressful um it's not because of the types of foods it's because the amount of work that the prep is um and I don't find it to be a lot of work, but most people don't cook, like I mentioned. So if you take someone who never cooks and you put them in a scenario where they have to, you know, cook most of their meals, it may throw them over the edge entirely. Yeah. So. Well, so thank you. Thank you for all this insight. I love oh. it. It's, it's been such a good conversation and I love the concept of a, of a dump. <laughs> I think you should make t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, so tell, tell everybody how they can get a hold of you. What's, what's your website? And uh, My website's nourishrealfood.com. And if you go there, you'll be able to access it. It has um, 
I have a, a great blog. I'm starting a new blog series called The Red Dot Diaries, which is a uh, for women about your period. And it's going to be full of insightful and funny anecdotal stories and tips and nutrition tips and recipes and reviews and all that stuff. Um, and then it also links to my membership site, which you can access a free dump. You can access um, a three-day dump. Um, and, and any of the information about upcoming ones, which I have coming down the pipeline very soon, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so, so actually, we have to have one little bit of period advice. So what? just give us one little nugget of food-related period advice. What do we need to know? Um, well, the one thing, okay, good one. So ginger. Ginger is an amazing, beautiful, nourishing root herb, wonderful thing um, that uh, is great because it's warming. And I think women tend to be a lot damper, um, according to traditional Chinese medicine, damper when they when they bleed. So it's important mm -hmm. to eat more um, warming things and avoid those cooling green smoothies as we're talking about or cucumbers and, and eat more broths and, and root vegetables and that sort of thing, even in the summer, actually. Um, but beware of ginger. It will make you bleed heavier. Oh, interesting. So if you have a, if you tend to have a heavy flow, then um, you should probably skip ginger for the first two or three days of your period or leading up to it at least. So, yeah, Ooh, I'm, I'm taking that one. <laughs> so, but it does make a difference. I've noticed a significant difference since I got off my ginger addiction during my periods. So. Very interesting because I am addicted to a ginger tea drink that I pretty much have like every afternoon of like grated ginger and apple cider vinegar and I just like love it. And that just sounds amazing and I would love to drink that every day except the first two days of my no, period. No, that is what I'm going to do right now, not to have that because I was thinking like I wonder if I had that. It's just, you know, this whole period thing gets worse and worse with time somehow. But anyway, I can't wait I to see that series. I have lots of period tips, nutrition tips, lots of <laughs> recipes coming. So I'm so yeah. excited to get it started and I think it's going to be just an on. I think it's going to have a life of its own. I have a lot of people that are going to collaborate and lots of people that want to tell their story and I'm so excited because it's just something that people don't talk about, period. And it's bullshit. <laughs> it was, it's actually a very, it's funny, it's it's a very important part of my story. So whenever I talk, I say that when I changed my food, I, I got my period two days later. I had never had one in my whole life without medicine. What? Yeah, I'm going to write this for you. But but so I'd never, ever had a period without medicine in my whole entire life. And then I changed my food and I got it two days later. But the first time I said that out loud, my mom was like, oh, like, what if you just told people a whole room full of people that you didn't, you know, you said the word period. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we just don't talk about it that much, you know? crazy uh, no no wow that's a crazy story mia i can't wait to have you on the yeah. well which may become a podcast one day if Ooh, i ever can I get it together <laughs> so, so people know how to get a hold of you and we'll have that in the show notes so now we're going to wrap up with the question that i ask everybody okay. um <laughs> which i didn't warn anyone about today so we're getting very oh, um, impromptu answers <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about a meal that had a big impact on you and it could have been about the food or the company or an aha you had while at the table. Oh my Just gosh. enlighten us with a story. I'm sure you've had many. Oh, my God. I mean, uh, 
I have had so many. Oh, um, let me see. Oh, I feel so much pressure right now. I can't even. Nope. It could have happened yesterday. It could have happened when you were five. It just tell us about a meal, anything. I'm sure they're all amazing. Um, yeah, well, I guess, I guess, so I'm, I'll tell you about a story I, right now. Um, so I have been in this sort of elusive kind of sweet, wonderful Thing, relationship thing for over a year with this nomad-ish person <laughs> who's currently downstairs. But anyway, um, who, so <laughs> the first time we ever hung out, I was like, oh, I was thinking we'd go for dinner. Or we'd kind of go somewhere, or whatever, go for a drink or whatever. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to come to your house and go through your freezer and your fridge and I'm going to cook you dinner. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, yeah. So don't worry about a thing. Just uh, hopefully you have ingredients and I'll see you when I get there. And he went through my freezer and my fridge and made me this most fantastic meal. And I helped with food prep. I was the sous chef. And like, yeah, that, that I loved him from that moment on. <laughs> I love that. Like within like a minute, and it's been, it, it's been it's been a challenge to be so smitten with someone for so long that you never know if they're going to be around or not. <laughs> but it's amazing how important it is to share that love of food. And he he made me trout. He made trout with this parsley pesto and rapini and um, root veggies, and it was. It was, it was awesome. I that still remember cool. it very. I remember it very clearly. And he was trying to make the skin crispy, and he kind of messed it up. And he was so frustrated. And I thought it was so cute. Anyway. I love that. That is a good one. That is a very. Good so one. I thought. I know. I know. I thought you were going to go back to Italy, but so many people have already done that. That I'm glad you did that one. Yeah. <laughs> I like the trout story. <laughs> I want to go back to Turkey, but and we're in India. Like all the all the meals I have had in India with people talking about how their bowel movements went that day, because that's like the main conversation you have with any stranger when you've been traveling in India for as long as I did. <laughs> really? <laughs> Look on your face. I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. It's really rare to have a regular bowel movement in India. So you you meet strangers and you go for dinner and you sit there and you share a meal with people you've never met before and you have the most amazing time and you may never see them again or you may end up um, traveling with them for a while or you may meet them the next night and every single meal you all talk about how you pooped that day. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and you celebrate together if you've had a normal poop. <laughs> That's pretty cool. All right. So we'll end on the poop note. <laughs> well, thank you, Sarah, so much for your time today. And everyone has to go check out the next dump. And, yeah. Yeah. And busy mamas, I will see you guys on the next episode of the Plan Simple Meals podcast. Bye for now. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple Meals podcast. 
If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share Plan Simple Meals with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes. I absolutely love sharing simple solutions to help busy families eat clean and live well. Visit HealthyMomsMeetup.com and come join in on the fun. In our free group, you can chat with me and other health-seeking moms, get new recipes and tips, and never be at a loss in the kitchen again. Come join the fun at HealthyMomsMeetup.com. I cannot wait to meet you there.